Hi, welcome to Where Do We Begin? I'm Stacey Harmon. I'll be representing Australia for Taekwondo at the Olympics 2021. Thanks for that, Stacey. My name is Harper and my co-host, kind of co-host, bit of a weird one, on this stupendous day is Lockie Gibbs. How are you, Lockie? Yeah, that's actually a tough question, Harps. I'm absolutely in a great mood in some respects, but also a bit flooded in other that I missed out um, the opportunity to, to chat with Stacey as unfortunately I was working this day, but I'll be clapping the headphones on and listening in as it is an absolute cracker, I am sure. Oh, yes, I will actually be smacking those headphones on as well because I'll be listening to the, to the game. It's such a good episode. Really enjoyed it. It's the first episode of a big, big series that you will know about if you've been following our social media pages at WDWB Pod and Where Do We Begin on Facebook, of course. Lockie, tell us about this series, mate. Yeah, just quietly. It's good to hear you loving your work. And this series, it's the uh, it's the Olympic series. As I'm sure our listeners will know, unless they're living under a rock, they are coming up in July 2021. The Olympics are occurring in Tokyo. And Harpsy Boy and myself had the great opportunity to chat to a couple of Australians representatives at the Olympics. Uh, we've got a variety of sports. It's super fun. And so from now and onwards, right up to the start of the Olymp- Olympics, we'll be having Olympic athletes on the show. It is so, so, so awesome to have them on <laughs> <laughs> you're exactly right it is so 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 awesome uh and uh, yeah i'm just really really excited to get into this olympic series and especially this episode with stacy heimer like Lockie said it was just me and stacy on this one uh so i reckon we'll just get straight into it i'll see you guys in the outro where i will tell you all about a new feature of the show i guess where our guests will be doing some great things for us on social media it's gonna be awesome Let's go. You can never say so too many times, listeners. All right, now on the show, we've had guests come from all over the world, from Netherlands, the uh, US, everywhere, all over Australia. But this one's come from just down the road from the studio. She's an Olympian uh, for Tokyo 2020, so I'm delighted to welcome onto the show Stacey Heimer. How are you, Stacey? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an it's a absolute pleasure. So, of course, Taekwondo is your sport of choice. So we're having this bit of an Olympic series and got some obscure sports. I think it's fair to say Taekwondo is a bit of an obscure sport compared to your football or anything. So can you kind of explain your sport to all the listeners who don't really know about it? Yeah, yeah. So it's not like your mainstream sport that you see on TV all the time. It's a bit more technical than than that. It's a lot using your legs, kicking, and now we've like incorporated punching. So it's using your legs, kicking to the face, scoring on the body face, and then going in with the punch as well. So um a lot of footwork, moving around. Yeah, very technical, as I said. So, yeah. So, how do you win? I guess is <laughs> lots of people will probably be very confused by that element when they're watching. So, how, how do you win a what is it about of taekwondo? <laughs> <laughs> like it's so you got three three rounds, two minutes, um, and you're just trying to score as many points as you can in those in those rounds, and then at the end of the third third round whoever's got the most amount of scores wins yeah right okay and you're the is it under 57 kilos weight division so they've got yeah. what two or three weight divisions in the uh kind of in the sport i guess yeah so there's a few males at divisions and female divisions um i'm considered like the featherweight division under 57 um i think there's 
five? Is it five in total? Or I should know this, but yeah, there's um, under 48, under 53, 57, 63, uh, 67, and then there's the heavyweights. Yep. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we don't want to kind of only get to know about the sport in the series. We kind of get want to get to know the person a bit. So Olympians, obviously, uh, especially in sports like Taekwondo, and they're not getting paid the big, big bucks. You, I doubt you're a billionaire or a millionaire or anything like it. No. Um, so I'm guessing you've got a kind of day job. I know you're at uni as well. So what do you do with yourself aside from training and preparing? So, yeah, uni, um, I'm doing that part-time, studying two subjects. It's uh, food tech and nutrition. Right. And um, At RMIT? Yeah, at RMIT. Yeah, so they've been helping so much. Like the flexibility and everything, the support that I've been getting from them has been absolutely amazing considering like I've travelled around all over the world and they've, you know, sending me assignments or giving me special consideration. So, yeah, I've done that um, and working on weekends at a cake store in Tamarine, Eiffel Tower. Yeah, so good there. Love it there. <laughs> want to give a bit of a plug to the place? So why do people want to go there to Eiffel Tower? We'll give them a bit of a shout out on the show. If you love custard, that's your place to be. Yeah, all right. Like custard, everything, but amazing. Out in Tullamarine. Yep. Yeah. So, guys, get on it. Eiffel Tower, cake store, I think it is in Tullamarine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so you've got that kind of day job, uni, which takes up the majority of your time, I guess. But what I'm really interested in is the kind of tra- training routine of a Taekwondo athlete. So, obviously, you're training a lot, but what actually – goes into your training what are you doing during those training sessions yeah so it i'll just like in a typical day you know i've got strength and conditioning in the morning then i've got an individual session with one of my coaches and we'll focus on real technical um side of it we'll get real specific in movements um perfecting our movements really or working out different scenarios um and then between that and another individual session with my other coach, it's a bit of a break time. So it's like downtime, catch up with uni, catch up with anything else that I need to do. Then individual training again, which is more scenario work, more specific work on tactics. And then we do a group session, group taekwondo session, um, and that's just like with bag works, you'll be kicking like a thousand times a day or like you'll be uh, going through routines or um, focusing on like rhythm of the kicks or, yeah, speed work. Or, yeah, yeah, right. So uh, I doubt anyone listening uh, knows too much about Taekwondo tactics, but mm. uh, without, I don't know if you're kind of unwilling to give anything away, but if you want to kind of reveal something about your last tactic session, what went into your last tactic session, what kind of things are you focusing on? Yeah, so um, yesterday we were focusing on our defence game. Okay. So just what kind of blocking with your front leg and then kicking with your back leg. So it's like block with the front and the follow-up kick with the back. And then, you know, you you can incorporate it with various other kicks, but the first initial movements is always like block with the front, follow with the back, and then you can follow up going to the head or punching or, you know. Yeah, and that's, I doubt that's kind of something specific to you. That's kind of across the whole sport. People do that move, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's 
because now everyone kind of, like everyone's kind of fights the same in a way. Everyone's got their specific um, kind of movements, but the same kind of structure where you're going back to those basic movements just to have like that foundation level. Mm. So, yeah, those movements are very crucial just to have. Well, what's your strength in terms of uh, Taekwondo? Uh, what's your big kind of go-to move or strategy? Um, recently, I've been doing a lot of punches. Okay. So punches to the chest. Uh, they've been scoring quite well. It's got to be clear and like pretty precise. Uh, you got to time it really well to make it like, you know, the referees know it's a punch, so you're scoring that. Um, so a punch and just a classic back leg, back leg to the body, back leg to the face. I love those ones. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty good. Yeah. Are there any... Can you like smack someone in the head in a fight or <laughs> yeah. are there any fouls at all? Or- yeah, no, nah, definitely you can smack them to the head and you, you get three points out of it. So yeah, okay. that's a that's a good thing to have. What what are you not allowed to do? Uh, what would what would you be pulled up on by? Is it a ref or umpire or whatever? Yeah, the ref will will like give you a we call it a kumjung. So it's like a like a warning. Yeah. If you're kicking below the waist, um kumjung so warning, and then the opponent gets a point. Okay. Um, another thing is like if you're if you're called like pushing them out of the ring, like you can't be pushing them out of the ring, or if you're you know just doing incorrect moves with your legs, or if you're putting your leg up without executing a kick, they'll give you a warning. Okay. So right. It's very specific. And after a warning, you give away a point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I think people hopefully starting to kind of get the hang of it. So, but speaking of starting to get the hang of it, how did you get started in Taekwondo? I know there's team Taekwondo in Coburg. You, you didn't start there, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. I started at Horse Taekwondo on um, Moreland Road. Oh, so okay. Right. I was there when I was four years old. Yeah. Uh, so I've been doing it my whole life. Yeah. Um, but I kind of just followed my older brother's footsteps as most people do. They just follow their older siblings. Um, and so... Yeah, I was there for a few years until I, I think I was about 10, 12, we moved to Fighting Lions on Kilo Road. That was, um, that was good. And we followed Paul Lyons. He's been a big um, inspiration to all of us, which he, he's now passed, but he, he still holds his legacy in all of us fighters. Um, and then I moved to Notorious Martial Arts, Martial Arts, which is where I'm currently at now. That's like my local club with Ryan Carnelli. He's done his own club, so they're they're killing it. They're doing really well there. But I'm training with um, the Australian Institute of Sport down. Yeah, we've got our own little area there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, do most people kind of get into it for fitness or self defense? What's their main uh, kind of incentive to get into Taekwondo at a early age like you did like taekwondo is you've got so many disciplines to it you know you it's character building it's creating um strength you're you're getting you're learning like balance um how to tactical work um as well as like having fun with it it's there's a lot of components to it um yeah self-defense is a big one that a lot of people get into it but we did it just for the fun of it. Yeah. Like we loved it since we were 
you know, four years old, getting straight into it, the games of it, the enjoyment of it, but the people around you as well. Like it was, it's a big community. Mm. So everyone's looking after each other whilst, you know, smacking each other around, but like you're looking after them. Yeah. 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 But if, if I kind of started right now, uh, rocked up to Team Taekwondo and the Taurus Martial Arts <laughs> or whatever, um, would I be going straight into fights or would I start off kind of just going at the punching bag or whatever? Well, uh, how do you get started? They'd probably set you up with someone who's probably similar um, level to you, like okay. the beginner's level, yeah. I would say. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely at that level. I'm yeah, you wouldn't go good. straight into yeah. versing someone that can, you know, you know, knock you around a little bit. Or you, I mean, I guess you can, but you want to learn from it. You want to understand how the movements of it before you get straight into, say, sparring, mm. where it's like full-on compact, you know, kicking each other around. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, of course, Olympics coming up this year. Uh, this uh, kind of yeah. going to be the main gist of our chat, I guess, in this whole series, this whole Olympic series, uh, Japan. And I've been doing my research. I hear you're very into your international food. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you looking forward to the, the Japanese food? Have you been to Japan before? I tried their cuisine. Yes. Um, I've been to Japan once for a competition that we did in 2019 and that was literally for like one week where you're in there doing your competition you're straight out but luckily we had one day to really get to know the place you know you're going to your food places I ate so much in just that one day just taking it all in making sure we tried everything because the place is amazing and I can't wait to go visit them again. Is there something a special dish that you're going to be going back to kind of looking forward to uh, savouring again when you're back there in a couple months time? Just their sushis are like something else. They're you can get sushis at like 7-Eleven, but they're so good. It's just, you, I don't know. Yeah, and like every convenience store there, like there's a convenience store every second shop and they've got like all these different types of sushis. Yeah. Like, and like freshly made kind of thing, not like crap 7-Eleven ones. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just amazing, yeah. really. Uh, I, actually, I, found, I tried ramen there for the first time. And that kind of changed my life. I was like, that's it. This is the best thing I've ever had. Yeah. When did you go there last time? How old were you? Um, I was 20. Oh, so that was just la- last year? Was it? Two, yeah, before? two years ago now, okay, 2019. Two years ago, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it wouldn't have been last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably not too much kind of international taekwondo oh, going on last year, no. I imagine. So it's has that has last year kind of uh, – made you uh, feel less confident or more confident? Because obviously so severely impacted last year, you would have been with hardly any international tournaments, I'm imagining, and uh, just completely different regime for you. Yeah, so at the start of the year, we started off with a um, a Euro tour where you're on a high, like you're you're up there, you're, you've got your competitions back-to-back for a few weeks, so you're still on a high and, the, you know, we were rushed back to Australia and so you know you're back here and you're kind of trying to work out what's going on are we still training what are we doing um and so you as time like progressed you're slowly going it's like you're going down in a way and you know everything's starting to like chill out because you're realizing that you've now got the entire year that it's just nothing so what do you do with yourself yeah um Yes. Yeah, so is there – because obviously it was cancelled, what, three months before it was meant to happen? So it didn't leave too much time. But kind of in the 
days and we- weeks leading up to the um, kind of initial postponement uh, around this time last year, did you find yourself at all or was it hard to not subconsciously kind of uh, have that at the back of your mind and subconsciously put in a bit less effort maybe because you knew it was more than likely not going to happen in 2020? Like in a way, yes. Um, it, you know, because it was your end goal is so far, you know, you're kind of just chugging along. But, you know, you have moments where it's like you're pushing yourself, pushing yourself, and then other moments it's like, yeah, you have relaxed a little bit. Where Whereas if, say, the Olympics was last year, you're just – because I was on a high, you just keep going, going, going. Whereas, like, um, now it was just, you know, a bit longer journey. But in a way, I've benefited from it so much. Like, I've been able to learn from it, um, train more, train harder, really dissect it a little bit more, um, work out different scenarios. Like, I've grown so much in that one year. And in a way, I feel so much more prepared than... I maybe would have last year. So, yeah. yeah. So, in the grand scheme of things, for you just personally, it's a kind of good thing that it's yeah. been postponed. Yeah, yeah. Especially being like my first Olympics, I have no idea what I'm about to jump into. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like I've been to various competitions with the exact same people. But it's, again, it's on a different scale. But it's, um, yeah, you just feel, feel better walking into it knowing that you've had a good process behind you. Mm, yeah, so kind of going to this Olympics, uh, no doubt you'd probably be pretty nervous the more the closer and closer you get, really, and you're still rocking up to the local club, I'm guessing, are you? Yeah. Uh, so that's got to feel a bit weird, though, you're like you're this uh, going to be an Olympian in, what, uh, two months' time, and kind of everyone else are just not Olympians, I guess, <laughs> to put it simply. Uh <laughs> Does that feel a bit weird? Like it does in a way because I've been training with the same guys for, for years. Yeah. And, you know, all of a sudden now I've got this title on me. All yeah. of a sudden it's like, you know, people may look at you different, may treat you a bit differently, but still you're still, you know, training amongst the same people you were years and years and years. Yeah. But it's um it's good in a way like I have all these people supporting me. You know, everybody's just like building me up. So it's actually really good to, you know, go back to my local club and spar with them because, you know, all fighters are different fighters in their own way. I'm still learning off them yeah. as we're going through. And, you know, these are young fighters as well and, you know, bringing out all these new skills. So tapping into those new skills is so, so good, so important. Yeah, so – is your kind of prime fighting years, the best fighters, are they like kind of late 20s, early 30s age, I'm guessing? Or I don't know, really, what, what age are they? <laughs> like um, you can get some real young ones that are just freaks that come in and, you know, wipe out the whole competition. And it's amazing to see like pat, pat themselves on the back. Um, but for a vast majority, it comes into the mid-20s, I'd say like 24, 25, mm. where people say that they're at their best or, um, at you know. Peak, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, their peak. Um, but, yeah, you can definitely see sometimes the difference in competition level, the standard or the professionalism of it. The, the way they conduct themselves around competition is a lot different to say um, – like myself, when I was starting off going into the, the I'd say, the big league of competition overseas, it's 
very different, but you know, slowly, slowly, you're ca- you're catching up to them, and now I'm starting to feel like, oh, I'm actually at the same level as them now. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now uh, here at Weed, we begin. We do lots of kind of background research on our guests, and I was having a look through your Instagram feed, and you were at some event. Uh, oh, I forgot what it was, 2018 or something like that, and. Uh, there was people congratulating you on like beating an Olympian or something like that or oh. fighting against an Olympian. So uh, we spoke about it in terms of your kind of teammates' perspective, but do you feel that once these Olympics are over and maybe even now uh, that you're kind of future Olympian, do you feel there's extra pressure on you because uh, kind of, I don't know, this fighter from wherever, Fiji, is going to say, oh, I'm, I'm fighting against Stacey the Olympian. It's kind of very different to just regular Stacey from Coburg, isn't it? Right. Yeah, it's very different. Um, and still now to this day, like even recent competition, the, you know, people's expectations and pressures, this is what we call it, just that constant um, external kind of things around you. Yeah, they're always going to put a bit of a negative light on it. Um, but, yeah, it, I mean, it's always good because it kind of drives you in a way. It's like you still want to be on top. Like you've got to train hard to – to you're still earning that position. You're still there to train and to hold that title or whoever. But, you know, for a young person to come up, it's good for them to have that hunger to fight someone good. And then even if they were to win against that person, you know, it's just another – it's like a confidence kind of thing in a way, but it's a learning thing in a way as well. So – yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I, I I can't imagine what that kind of um, weight on your shoulders would feel like uh, coming in. Are you, are you feeling that now? Uh, do, do you feel it? Is it kind of something that you're nervous for for the future, or are you kind of nervous about that right now as we speak? Like I was nervous about it a few weeks ago, yeah. um, where you kind of get the news of all the what like the real realization of everything of oh my god I'm going to the Olympics and then you're kind of putting that in perspective and you know you're starting to feel those pressures and you know it's always like oh I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and then deep down it's like hold on like I'm freaking out here yeah um so the the last few weeks it's all about being you know that mental strength and that building yourself up again to be like you know it's just a competition like who cares just go in there you know your stuff fight hard, fight good, and the outcome will be whatever it is. Do you get extra support from, uh, I don't know, someone from the AOC or something because of those pressures or is it just the people that have been supporting you the whole time supporting you now? Yeah, so I've always had a big support network. Like I've always been able to tap into somebody and get their advice. And, you know, it's been important people like my coaches or, you know, I've got my family who's also big in fighting so I can tap into them. And, um, yes, that good support network around me has always helped me throughout the coming years. Um, Just recently... I've now started to seek a bit more professional help where it's like I've gone into seeing a sports psych. So just recently this is a new thing to me mm. as well. So getting their perspective as well is has been a bit of an eye-opener because a lot of the time they highlight things and it's like, oh, I already know these things. It's like, of course. Um, but What kind of things have they highlighted that you've taken on board? It's like focusing in on certain strengths in training 
and then at competitions, like distinguishing the difference between them, analysing it, thinking about it and then, you know, being aware of like certain things around you um, and then you kind of go, oh, yeah, that's the penny's job. Like, of course this will happen or you just have that big realisation moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But kind of in terms of like the Australian Olympic, what is it, commission, the AOC, um, do they offer wellbeing, service, well-being services for themselves or I don't know about now, but do you know if during the Olympics they do or now even? Yeah, so I have a wellbeing lady Okay. and she's amazing. Um, but we, that's only just been a recent thing in the coming last year um, uh, or in Taekwondo. Um, I'm sure all other sports, they've all had wellbeing uh, persons helping them. But in Taekwondo, we've had a person come in and just to take the load off us in a way, like if we have any concerns, you know, to do with uni, to do with work, um, yeah, training, anything that's kind of bugging you, they're just helping you come to a solution and, you know, resolve those problems, those little niggling things that you can't seem to do it by yourself. Mm, yeah, and I know we were speaking before the show about how you listen to the Andy McGrath podcast because oh. you're a big uh, Essen fan. He was talking in his episode about he was uh, him kind of being big on goal setting and within Essendon they're very big on that and within the whole AFL, I suppose. So is that something you're very big on as well, kind of goal setting, uh, short-term, mid-term, long-term kind of things? Uh, have you set yourself goals for the Olympics? Yeah. Like yes in a way and no in a way. Like I – I have goals. It's all. It's all like, um, like I'll jot a few things down. I'll be like, okay, that's something that I want to work on now, and then, in, and I know in future it's something that's going to come naturally to me, and I'm going to pick it up and be like, I've I've analysed it, I've taken it apart, and so that's been like my short term goal of you know understanding what I'm doing technically, and then in the long term it's been fighting, and then putting that out there, sparring on competition day and executing those kind of little skills and everything that you're building up. So it's always a short-term, long-term kind of back and forth. Mm, yeah. yeah, so you're 43rd in the world at the moment. Is that right? Um, like I think so. Yeah. I don't know 100%. Right. I, I had a look. I'm not sure if it's the fully updated version, but I think 43rd yeah. for your weight division. So uh, when you hit your peak, what, what kind of ranking are you wanting to hit? You, number one, do you reckon – is that doable for you? Are you wanting to hit number one? Like I'd love to be in the top ten. Yeah. Yeah. I reckon that yeah, that's a big that's probably a, an end goal that I'd have, say, in the next four, four years. Um, not the moment now, I'm still in that learning phase mm. in a lot of situations. Um Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is there a kind of big fish in the uh taekwondo world that you've beaten before that maybe a top 10 fighter or anything like that or have you only been kind of sparring with people around your kind of level yeah so um i've fought a few international fighters and some of them have gone to olympics you know multiple times Mm. um one like in australia and overseas and you know, sometimes, like, I don't even realise that I'm fighting this amazing player until the end of it. I'm like, oh, my God, I just fought her, like, and she was really good, you know. Or sometimes you can get – I can get freaked out by fighting this player who's got all these titles behind them and that kind of puts you in a little bit of a bad situation 
foregoing to fight like you don't want that you don't want to put yourself in those situations but yeah I've fought some good fighters won against them and it's put things in a perspective in a way it's like okay she's a good fighter I've just bet her I must be a good fighter like I'm at that skill level let's what's the next competition who else can I be you know just trying to climb yourself up fight way through yeah do you know just for the kind of listeners who might be interested in the event, uh, watching it, who are the kind of favourites to get amongst the kind of gold medal group, I guess, in the upcoming Olympics? Uh, um, I'll do it by country because I, okay. I yeah. can't remember sure. all their names off by heart. But um, the UK, she's the number one. Yep. Um, and then you've got Korea, you've got China, Turkey and Russia. They're pretty much in the top, top 10. They're, yeah, they're all weapons, but... It'll be exciting and I am excited to go fight these fighters because they're such good fighters. I love fighting off good people and you're just building that up and it's like, and then you can take that away and then be like, wow, she did that well. I want to learn how to do that well as well. Like you're kind of learning off their skills. Yeah, but what's the kind of main skills that you have taken on board watching those amazing fighters? Uh like I remember fighting this one girl from Russia. She was amazing. She's got really good – the way she uses her legs, mm. they're like baseball bats coming down, knocking you out. Like I definitely felt some of her kicks and I was like, wow, she is good. Um, so you're taking that – but looking at her technique, the way she's doing her kicks, putting her leg up really high like or knees to the chest, even her her – movement where it'll get you and her leg will come around the side and it'll get you straight onto the flank. You know, little things like that make a big difference. Mm. So watching back on like videos and watching those kind of fighters is really good just to understand their movements, their way of doing it and how well it worked. Yeah, and I've looked it up. Uh, it's Jade Jones. Yeah. Number one yeah. in the world. And there's uh, – uh, Hatice Kubra Ilgun from Turkey as well, number yeah. two, and third in the world for your weight division. This is is yeah. Ariel Lee from South Korea. Yeah. Um, but you were talking about that kind of flexibility, getting that uh, knees up to the chest kind of thing. So is yoga a big thing in the Taekwondo community? Because that, that's obviously massively helps with flexibility. Is that a big thing? Like for me, I say yes. Yeah. Um, I tapped into yoga quite a bit um, and I went and saw this yoga instructor and she kind of specialised in martial arts students where it was all about opening up the hips, um, making the hips more flexible. So, I yeah, tapped it, when I tapped into that and then I started noticing in training, oh, I can kick my leg higher, you know, I can reach a bit further. So... Yoga in its ways, in its strength and flexibility has definitely helped me. Mm, How often are you doing it? I don't do it as probably much as I should. Mm. Um, I used to do it at least once a week, but I wish I did it more. Yeah, yeah. So in an ideal world, you'd be doing it like a couple times a week, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yoga in its way, 
you know, I'm stretching at home and in a way that's kind of like what it is. You're yeah. going through the poses, you're holding those poses and then you're increasing those range of motions. So you're still getting that same kind of formula yeah. as I'm going and through. And I feel like it doesn't only help physically. I'm not really an expert on this, but it's probably really helps in a kind of mindfulness, mental headspace as well. Have you found that uh, when you've been doing your stretching and your yoga um, that it's helped your kind of perspective on things, I guess? Yeah, definitely. Um, Just easing the mind, you know, focusing on like mindfulness. um, Yeah, definitely helps with calming, getting familiar with your surrounding and then just being more comfortable in certain positions or, and then bringing that out. You Like going then to training, you're, you're calm, you're ready, your mind's clear and you're ready to focus to get in there and to spar and move around. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, something that uh, I kind of spoke to a few people and to kind of see what kind of things they'd be interested in from a Taekwondo fighter and lots of them were interested in the kind of muddy side of things. So is... Uh, is it just prize money from uh, events that you're getting and sponsorships as well, I guess? But obviously you've got the day job, but is that where the main source of income from the Taekwondo side of things comes from, the events? Yeah, like a lot of international events you get prize money. Yeah. Um, not all of them. Okay. I'd say I'd say only the big ones like the Grand Prix or you get a bit of prize money there. But every other competition is is just for self-growth, yeah. Um, take it back, you know, learn from it, and then move for, forward on to the next competition. Like you're just you're you're continuously trying to one up yourself in a comp, be better, you know, be the best fighter you can be. But yeah, I mean, money wise, it's there's not a lot there. Yeah, yeah. Unless, like in other countries, I say, you know, you can get some big sponsorships coming in, and they'll be looking after you, and you'll be pretty well off for the. South Korea, South Korea, being the main one. I'm yeah, guessing. Samsung, I think, is the sponsorship. Oh, it's just insane. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine Samsung sponsoring you. That's probably oh. not in your wildest oh. dreams, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, I know, kind of, uh, I don't know if there was prize money at this event, but you won the gold medal of the Oceania Championships when you were just like eighteen or nineteen. So that's pretty cool title to have, and uh, it must feel pretty nice saying you're the champion of Oceania when you were a teenager. Yeah. I think I just finished high school and then, yeah, the following year. Yeah, I that was the first year that I kind of came back into Taekwondo and being like, oh, this is serious now. I want to I wanna go to the Olympics. That was the, that was the end goal when I was looking back on a few years ago. And so, so, so Oceana was the first kind of competitions to come up. And because they have such big points because of the rankings and world rankings, you know, they were – target competitions that you need to win this get your get your name up there get your points up there make yourself on that world title so yeah and i don't know uh if i'm correct in saying this but if you won that you might not be there if you'd sorry if you hadn't won that you might not be at the olympics is that right yeah correct yeah, yeah right so it's uh obviously the qualification process is probably a bit different because of covid obviously is it just world rankings that bases uh, is the basis of how you get into the Olympics? Yes, and if you're top ten for oh. your uh, division, then that's a like a guaranteed you're straight in. Yeah, so 
But you had to do like a qualification on event, I'm guessing, because you're not top 10. Yeah, yeah. So we had our qualification period um, over the course of the last few years, our last four years. Um, and so they take into account competitions, your results, who you're versing, your win-loss ratio, all those kind of things. And then like your future prosperity of the sport. Um, yeah, so it's a quite a hefty process that you've got to go through quite a long process as well so every competition counts yeah so how long did the qualification process take for you personally from the first stage to the qual like the final qualification i'm guessing since i jumped in it uh in back in 2018 it was just straight on you yeah, know right okay that's what it is you're in there you got to go for it and every competition followed you know, they were onto it. Yeah, that's, that's insane. Like kind of setting your sights on qualification for the Olympics when you're a teenager. Like I, know. <laughs> I could not imagine myself at all being <laughs> in that position. But that, that's got to be you're with all your mates at school and you went to a sports school, I think, Pegs. Yeah. yeah it's a yeah. Very, very sporty school. But um, even still, like you going for the Olympics when you're still in high school, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like all throughout high school, I was still doing taekwondo. I did various sports. I mean, I was always involved in sports. Soccer captain. Uh, yeah, I soccer heard, yeah. captain. Um, yeah, did soccer, softball. And, yeah, did very well in those sports. Um, and, yeah, that kind of progressed through, like, but taekwondo was always something that I always fell back on. I was always doing it on top of all the other training, soccer, whatever it was. And that was kind of like the sport that I chose in the end to really progress through, really put all my eggs in that basket. Yeah. So how many – are you training every day for that at the moment? Or how many hours a week do you reckon you have putting into Taekwondo? You're very busy with other stuff, I know, but um, yeah, for an Olympic preparation, Olympic year, how much time are you putting into it? Five days a week. Um, so Monday to Friday, uh, I'd say – Two hour, two hour sessions, three times a day. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So except for Mondays, I have one session on Monday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But still, like on top of uni, on top of your day job, that's it's just a mountain of work. You wouldn't get too much free time. No time. Yeah. No time at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, very grateful you got to come into the studio today. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, it's just so much better compared to Zoom, and grateful that you came on the podcast at all. Really. Uh, but now we're kind of going to kind of going to get to some questions that we're going to ask all our um, Olympic athletes in this whole series. So what have been some kind of challenges that you've encountered? Obviously, you're still young uh, for your, in your field, in your sport, but what are some challenges you've encountered getting to this Olympic level over the years? Um, a lot of it's been, a big part of it's been like a mental side of it, you know, mental battles going through, just keeping a strong mind, um, tackling because every competition is it's whole it's so different you know you've got these different feelings different surroundings everything so so being comfortable in those situations like making the uncomfortable comfortable basically yeah. those have been challenges um traveling around a lot there's there's big challenges so you're constantly jumping into a new place um training making sure your weight's okay those big challenges. Yeah, I, I, I was actually meant to ask that. I forgot to ask it before, but that, that's got to be like massive burden keeping uh, 
uh, the required weight, under 57 kilos, your weight division, that that's just um, the commitment to stay at that level has uh, got to be massive. Yeah, so you're trying to, like right now it's a lifestyle. Like I've been, man- I've managed to maintain my weight at 57 and still maintain the strength and power that, that comes with it. That was been a big important factor. Um, so dropping weight previously, like before competitions, you don't want to lose your strength, but you're slowly losing, like you say, your muscle mass or a bit of fat here and there. But, um, yeah, just trying to keep that weight down and hold on to that strength has been very important. Yeah, and I'm guessing if you hit 57.1 kilos, or you're just gone. Yeah, you're disqualified straight away? Disqualified. Yeah. Jeez, that's... <laughs> The pressure of that is massive and diet, I'm guessing, has got to be a huge thing. I know that's probably in stark contrast, your first three Instagram posts, first one's got some sausage rolls in it, second one's very nice looking gelato and the third one's this big burger. Uh, so um, I'm guessing you're not eating lots of gelatos or burgers uh, in the kind of, in the recent months especially. Uh, so what's your diet looking like at the moment? Very strict, I'm guessing. I ate a very balanced, healthy diet all day every week, you know, day in, day out, I'm eating good foods. But when I want to enjoy my food, say like your burgers and ice cream, because they happen to be my go-to quite often, I indulge so much. Like I'm a big eater. I eat so much food and I love like my chocolate is my kryptonite. I would literally sit down and eat a block of chocolate at night if I could. And sometimes I do. But, you know, you back it up with... um a bit of eggs on the side and whatever you know, for breakfast and you know good training but you're always looking after your body after training eating the proper foods after training getting those proteins in just for to help your muscles and you know good rest or everything's very on top of it all but again when the weekend comes or when I want to go out and indulge I 100% will overindulge I love that feeling of fullness well what's the kind of go-to healthy food uh, when you feel a bit guilty that you've eaten a bit too unhealthily? What's your thing to kind of get you back on track, that really healthy thing that you've incorporated? Uh, Falafels. Falafels? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They're they're big in Coburg, aren't they? Lots of falafel places around. They definitely are. Yeah. Love them. Um, Yeah. Really, really great. But uh, kind of some more... I guess kind of quick fire questions they were asking to all these Olympian guests. So... Personal strengths, aside from Taekwondo, what, what do you reckon are your big personal strengths looking at, at it from your own perspective? Um, organisation, uh, very organised in literally everything that I do. I think I have to be and I think it's a very big important aspect in life, like you just got to be organised. Um, and then balance, balance is a big thing for me. Uh in terms of training, social side, uh, you know, food, everything. I've always got to have a balance back and forth, who I see on this weekend or what I do for training or everything is always balance. Hmm. So you're kind of um, enduring, sorry, uh, you're kind of enduring that you're still keeping up a bit of a social life or have you just not had time for that recently? In the last few months, it feels like I haven't had time for it, yeah. but I've, I'm still seeing friends here and there. Obviously not the same as what I used to. Like, you know, you can 
go out as much as you want. Whereas like now, you know, I'll only go out, you say, if it's like my best friend's birthday, I'll go out for her. Yeah. Um, or I'll go out for dinners, but, you know, you know I'm not going to go out and ruin myself on the weekend because the recovery from it is so hard. Like you just can't back it up with heavy training start on a Monday. Mm-hmm. You just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in terms of uni, like you're going to be taking what, uh, how long are you going to be in Japan for? Uh, a few weeks, a month, maybe? What are you doing about uni? Are you like, uh, you wouldn't be studying there, surely. You just kind of push it all back a bit? Like, I hope, like, we got our exams and everything or our assessments that are in June. So, luckily, everything's off for semester one. I mean, that's that's good, finishes in June. Second semester, July, I think I'll be maybe one or two weeks behind when I come back. But, like, as I said at the start, my my uni's been so helpful for me. They're like, you know, do what you got to do, you know, when you come back, We'll help you ease into it. We'll help you go into your pracs or your other work group assignments and, you know, there'll be their information there to help you. So, mm. Are there any geez, uh, Are there any other kind of Olympian uni students that you know of that are going through the same things as you, just balancing uni with preparing for Olympic Games? Um, I know, like, a few other athletes... Maybe like one or two. I say a few. It's just who are they? Um, he's like, his name's Liam. He does swimming. He was like another person that I coincidentally just bumped into, um, and he is like another professional athlete. You know, going for big competitions, traveling, and you know, yeah, training load is full on. Like, you know, to have time for other things is really difficult. So when I was able to chat with him, we were on the same page. We were able to be like, oh, how was training? Oh, it was so hard. It's like, oh, I know it was. Like we just have that understanding for it. And then, you know, how was uni? Oh, yeah, it's good here, there, everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Now, on the flip side of the personal strengths question, it might be a bit of a tricky question to answer, but personal weaknesses, I know everyone's kind of, got an area of vulnerability that I want to work on. So what's something you've been working on personally uh, outside of Taekwondo recently to improve yourself? Oh. If you haven't got an answer for it, that's all right. Not everyone does, but just a bit of an interesting question, I thought. Like a personal weakness. Um, oh, overthinking things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's always a big thing. Yeah. 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 Of course. Um, now, a kind of question that we ask all our guests, not the just Olympians, uh, to the final question, I guess. So have you got a bit of a life philosophy or a mantra quote that you uh, let guide all your decisions, I guess, uh, throughout your life? Just be happy. Yeah, that's a big thing for me. You know, I enjoy what I do, but, you know, finding that happiness in virtually everything you do, like, you, you know, you eat, you're happy you're eating, you're training, you're happy you're training, you're listening to music, you're happy listening to this music, you know, everything's just enjoyment of life. So just doing what makes you feel good. Mm, Yeah, that's good. Now, uh, kind of last segment, I guess, the traditional last segment of the show, it's the Where Do We Begin quiz. Going to play the stinger. (laughs) 
which is and usually we don't have it playing in the studio, but it's very nice to have the little sound effects. But anyway, the Where Do We Begin quiz, it's our favourite segment of the show. Usually I'll pit the guest against Lockie and kind of go head-to-head on a few questions that have a loose connection to you and your career. But obviously it's just me and you, so I'm just going to be asking you questions. You're the only one that can answer it, obviously. So I've got five questions, how many points you can get. Are you ready to go? Okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, so now, obviously, Taekwondo is your sport, if people haven't realised that already. Uh, now, do you know, this isn't the main question, but do you know why 1959 is a bit of a big year for Taekwondo? 1959? Oh, no. <laughs> well, uh, I can tell you, 1959 is the year in which the oldest governing body for Taekwondo was formed, the Korea Taekwondo Association. So, uh, another thing that happened in 1959, can you name me one musical artist who had a number one single in Australia in 1959? The Beatles. I don't know. I just threw it out there. The Beatles? <laughs> I've got no idea. That's incorrect. I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, there was a few. Uh, the one that you could have got, maybe, Elvis Presley. Oh, my God. Of yeah. course. Beatles, I think, came, on, came along a bit L- later. later. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, move on to question two. So 2nd of July your yep. birthday? That's correct, yeah. So 2nd of July 2017, your 18th birthday, Jeff Horn beat Manny Pacquiao on points in a highly controversial welterweight boxing title fight in Brisbane. Now, can you tell me, where is Manny Pacquiao from? Oh, my God. Thailand. <laughs> Thailand's incorrect, I'm afraid. It's from the Philippines. Oh. Close. Oh, okay. Kind of Southeast Asia, right kind of region. Uh in and around. Uh, but anyway, uh, we'll go to question three. So you were to pegs. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a bit of a question about clothes pegs. I've uh, done a bit of investigation, deep research into clothes pegs. So clothes pegs are believed to have been first patented early by Jeremy Op de Beck and were commonly made by hand by English gypsies. So can you tell me in what century did our old mate Jeremy patent the clothes peg? When do you reckon the clothes pegs were uh, oh, Jeremy kind of? I've got, got no this idea. Brilliant idea. Throw something out there. What do you reckon? What century? The last century. Last century, the 20th century. Yeah. That's incorrect, I'm afraid. It was quite a bit earlier, 1809, 1800s. Oh. Yeah, so okay. clothes pegs, been around a very long time. Uh, very interesting history. There's a very interesting <laughs> article online. Uh, I forgot their publication, but go check it out if you're interested in your history of clothes pegs. But anyway, uh, we'll move on to question four. Uh, surely we could get a point uh, with question four or question five. Fingers crossed. So uh, Japan, have you been studying a bit about Japan before you go there? No. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, that's fair enough. But anyway, I'll ask you a question for, so obviously the capital city, Tokyo, uh, only became the capital uh, and was renamed from Edo uh, in 1868. So where was the capital city of Japan before Tokyo? Oh, I'm just going to throw it out there. Os- Osaka? Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, yeah, I know what you're thinking of. It's not Osaka. It's uh, Kyoto. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yep. Close, I guess. Well, at least it's the, Osaka's it. city in the country could have been the right answer, but unfortunately it's not. But we'll go to question five, the last question. Uh, usually we do a who am I here, but there's only one of you. Uh, to, only one competitor in this quiz, so we're just going to do a normal question. Question five. So Tokyo, uh, it's got the biggest metropolitan population in the world of any city. So I'll give you plus or minus three million here to get the point. 
What is the population of the metropolitan area of Tokyo? Oh, God. Biggest in the world. Oh. No, well, I'll give you plus or minus 5 million instead of 3 million. <laughs> I don't know, like 1 billion plus 4 billion. <laughs> 4 billion? I don't know, 4 billion. Yep. I'm afraid that's uh, about, it's about 4 billion off there. Mm. Uh, the correct answer is 37 million, about okay. 37 and a half million yep. over there in Tokyo. Uh, but anyway, uh, that was a bit of a tricky quiz and it's a, it's a bit weird just doing it one on one. I feel like there's a bit more pressure on the competitor. But anyway, uh, I think we'll wrap it up there. But we've actually got a new segment that I was chatting to you about before the show, the kind of song of the week. So um, we're going to kind of give the guests a chance uh, to put a song on our Instagram story uh, that they particularly like. So uh, you're going to post up a kind of video uh, maybe or something, a song of the week of your choosing on our Instagram story. Is that right? Yes, yes, I can do that. Yeah, well, that would be great. Uh, so, guys, head over to our Instagram story if you want to check out Stacey's uh, song of the week, the song of her choosing. Uh, hopefully you all enjoy it, but um, I think that's just about all we've got. So thank you very much for coming on the show, Stacey Heimer. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness gracious me, how good was that for a first Olympic series episode? That was an absolute belter, if you ask me, and I'm a completely unbiased guy, so you should be asking me, really. That was an absolute corker of an episode, I reckon. Lockie, let me know if you object. Anyone else, let me know if you object. It was a ripper, I think. But as Stacey talked about at the end of the show, and as I spoke about in the intro of the show, we are going to be talking about a new feature. Uh, Stacey actually mentioned it. Uh our guest is going to be putting their favourite song, just kind of song that they're really vibing with at the moment, on our Instagram story at WDWBPod. Sorry, that is WDWBPod. Uh, so, yeah, Song of the Week, a song they're really uh, vibing out to at the moment. They're loving it. Uh, so go check us out at WDWBPod on Instagram. We're at the same handle on Twitter, and we're at Where Do We Begin on Facebook and YouTube. Check us out there. And, of course, our sponsors for today. No grubby blood money going on here. Our sponsors are ourselves. We love it. Uh, you can actually buy us a coffee to support this Olympic series and to support us keeping up this quality podcast we've got going on, this awesome sound production, the awesome interviews. If you like it, go buy us a coffee. We'd love it at buymeacoffee.com slash where do we begin. That's buymeacoffee.com slash where do we begin. No capitals, no nothing, all lowercase, uh, just as simple as you like. If you don't want it, you don't have to, of course, but we really would appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much, guys. Uh, got nothing else to say, really. I'll see you next week for another cracker over an Olympics episode. Thank you for listening.